Welcome to another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who, well, your attention, please. I haven't got all night. You understand? Do you understand? He's a gentleman. Here's my co-host from the left coast, Wayne Fugate. Hola, Ben Hamid. That's probably my favorite intro I've ever done for you. <laughs> All right. Uh, for this episode, we have another repeat revisitor who's joined us for episodes about Johnny Cash and about the Beastie Boys. He's the host of the I Effing Love That Record podcast. Please welcome back to our podcast, the Derek Careview. Welcome, gentlemen. So this is where I usually say the fair, the, the, that the podcast is fairly simple. We talk about music, and you already know that. You're this is old hat for you at this point. You know how simple this podcast really is. I, I do. How simple, and yet also how mind-boggling difficult it can be. You're talking about the scores, of course. Okay. All right. Well, we do have have to have some level of difficulty for this. So, all right. Well, you know the drill. We ask the all important question. So I'm going to start with Wayne. What T-shirt are you wearing? Uh, I'm wearing a Sub Pop shirt. It was, uh, I think it's called Orca because it was it was actually, uh, I think there was some donation to charity for every one they sold. Okay. But it's the only Sub Pop shirt I haven't worn, so I had to. How, how many Sub Pop T-shirts do you have? Uh, only three sub pop shirts, but I've gotten, that's one of my favorite websites to buy shirts off of. So I have nine or 10 that I've gotten off that site, but only three of them are like label shirts. All right. I I, I get it. All right. How about you, Derek? T-shirt are you wearing? I'm wearing a uh, brown Twilight Singers t-shirt. So Greg Dooley's uh, other band from the Dynamite Steps tour. And it's so old right now. It's basically just a brown t-shirt. It's hard, it's hard to see what's on the front of it, but uh, I, I like it. So it's one I picked up. I can't remember where I saw them on that tour because I tend to see, I'll, I'll either see them in Poland, I, uh, Germany, or the Czech Republic. And I can't remember which, which one this came from because I didn't look it up. Okay. Are you, are you that old that you forget now where <laughs> you purchase t shirts? Yeah, because I've just. I've seen, uh, you know, I've seen the Afghan wigs. I've seen the Twilight Singers. I've seen the Gutter Twins, which is his uh, side project with uh, Mark Lanigan. Uh, I've also seen him solo, and I've seen him several times. Uh, you know, uh, all of those in- iterations I've seen a few times, and so I've been to shows in Krakow and Warsaw, uh, Berlin, Prague, and uh, one time in uh, I think it was in Brussels. Gotcha. So it's hard. It's hard to keep it all straight. So uh, I've seen uh, I've seen the Afghan Wigs do a Twilight Singer song and a Gutter Twin song. I've seen the Gutter Twins do a Twilight Singer song and an Afghan Wig song, and I've seen the Twilight Singers do an Afghan Wig song and a Gutter Twin song. So I've I've seen the whole thing. All right, the Gutter Twins. That's that's the one with uh, Gleek the monkey. <laughs> oh wait, that's wonder. That's Wonder Twins. Sorry, that's Wonder Twins. Yeah, yeah. So the Gutter Twins is his side project with Mark Lanigan, and so far they only put out the the one. They put put out one record and an EP. P- 
people younger than 40 are not going, they're not going to understand their reference at all. <laughs> Wonder Twin Powers activate. That's right. That's right. Uh, all right. I don't know where I'm going with this. Um, <laughs> all right. My t-shirt. Uh yeah, I'm having one of those days where I I haven't showered yet. Like I did some work out in the out in the yard, and I know that I still have some some work to do. So I haven't showered yet, and so I'm in one of my workout shirts, which is my uh, Bucky's gas station sh- T-shirt. And on the back it says, "No Bucky's till Brooklyn." <laughs> so. <laughs> I guess I guess we can tie that back to the BC Boys episode. I guess that's that's how we could do it. But yeah, I didn't. Wayne, I haven't put much thought into my T-shirts lately. No, you leave that to me. Yeah. <laughs> that question is really for you. It's really just for you these days. So, fair enough. I can live with that. All right, um, Derek. How long have we been trying to do this episode? For a while, so we were originally, I can't remember, we were going to originally do it earlier, but then I ended up substituting on that Beastie Boys episode, so we decided to push it back a little bit, and then you just started having this murderer's row of guests, and then we were going to do it in November, but somebody on this podcast has a life outside of this podcast, apparently, (laughs) and we went on vacation, and then we ended up doing the Johnny Cash episode, which was a ton of fun. It was fun doing that with Jeff. And so here we are now. Yeah. And, and somebody who has a life is going on vacation in a couple of weeks as well. So <laughs> fair, fair warning. There's going to be a few episodes without, without co-host Wayne. Oh, so It hurts. <laughs> Got to go on. Yeah. But, the, but the episodes we're going to do, you like, don't give a crap about any of those records. Well, that's not fair to say, but yeah, it's probably true. The miseducation of Lauren Hill, you give a crap about that one? Uh, not at 19 songs or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was the other one that we're doing? Oh, Robbie Robertson's self-titled uh, I think it's debut. Robbie Williams, right? No, Robbie, no, Robbie Robertson. Robertson. I could swear you were asking me about Robbie Williams, too. Hell no. You we were. would No, no. Yeah, I know you were. I w- no. I would never do Robbie Williams. Good. That's good to hear. Well, maybe for the right guest. But they, but. Like Robert Smith or somebody. Somebody really British. Yeah, I guess. I think he's got one song that I like. Is it, there's Angels? Is that him? I don't like any of his songs. I don't know. Derek, do you know? I have no idea. Do you know Robbie Williams? I do, but I don't know anything about him other than he's Robbie Williams. Both of you are full of crap. Both of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And you're, you're playing coy. (laughs) That's what I think you're doing. You got me. Especially Wayne, especially Wayne. Wayne. I couldn't be coy. All right. uh, So, so, so fair warning. I made a a big bad judgment call today. (laughs) So for work, we're doing this weight loss contest for the next several weeks. And I'm trying to eat better and exercise more. Um, well, I had a lean cuisine with, uh, it was shrimp with angel hair. And I had it for lunch. I brought it in my office because I was trying to finish some notes here. And now my office smells like shrimp. <laughs> so don't be surprised if I drop my headphones at some point to fan the door. 
to let some fresh air into the office and get this shrimp sm- smell out. So I'm just I'm just giving you fair warning. Noted. Yeah, I got it. Okay. Wayne, what what's your secret? Because we you you have told me you've lost like how many pounds? Thirty pounds. And and this was because you were doing keto. No, I didn't. I didn't subscribe to any uh, specific diet. I st- I stopped drinking Irish cream in my coffee. Uh, that helped. And then uh, I just try to move more. I did switch to Corona Light. None, so none, none of these tips are helping me since I don't <laughs> yeah, eat, eat less, move more. That's all I can say. I did start tracking things on my Fitbit and I just, I burn okay. more calories than I take in. All right. Simple math. I have a Fitbit and I probably just need to like use it. Oh, you gotta, you gotta go all in on the Fitbit, get the app, uh, yeah. put all your calories for your food in there, really see what you're doing. And then, and it, then it's pretty easy to make some, there's usually some simple some simple choices that you can uh, really, really cut some calories out that you yeah. you know you don't realize. Well, um, I can tell you what I won't be doing. I won't be eating lean cuisine shrimp with angel hair. <laughs> yeah, going forward. I, I will. The one I will say the downside of this is two things I absolutely love are donuts and pizza, and I I I haven't had too many of that. I have t- not too much of that. Yeah. When you see how many calories are in a donut or a slice of Costco pizza, yeah, you you realize you can't drink any beer later that night if you eat that piece of pizza. <laughs> yeah, I love I love me some donuts. Um, I don't know. Again, I don't know where I'm going with this. My adult AD, ADD is off the off the chain today, guys. I'm just letting you know. It's probably the really bad lunch that I had. <laughs> all right so so derek you were nice enough to join us for that bc boys episode that we talked about um so wayne i i saw a resurgence in downloads this last week on the bc boy episodes we had like 120 downloads for that particular episode uh over the last i don't know 10 days which is kind of weird and i was like trying to find who may have shared it. Like I did a couple searches on Facebook and, you know, did a couple of Google searches and nothing came up. So I'm, I'm not sure if it's not just Derek hitting the download and play buttons in an attempt to remind us that his episodes when he joins us are popular and he's worthy of being on our show more often. That's what I'm thinking. Derek, are, are, are you guilty of I'm this? I'm not guilty of this. I am, however, guilty of just being popular. People love the sound of my voice, Ben. (laughs) Well, it goes back to what I've said before. All Derek, all of the time. Exactly. Right. All right. Well, remind remind us uh, of your podcast. What's your... And you also told me that you're doing another podcast outside of IF and love that record. So tell me me about that. Okay. Uh, I've been actually doing this, this... when I started the other podcast, I've also been doing what I like to refer to as my slightly self-indulgent solo side project, and I call it Album Side. Uh, so I have two young kids, and I, I have a, a decent vinyl collection. And I found a lot of times when, after I got the kids to bed on like a Friday or Saturday, I would, uh, I would listen to some vinyl, but I would try to get the most out of it, and I would only really listen to one side. Uh, so I could listen to like two or three different things, have a couple beers before I go to bed. 
And I thought, oh, this may be a fun thing. So I started uh, doing this where I will play one side of vinyl and I will drink a beer and I will talk about whatever, the songs, the band, anything that just comes to mind. But because I'm actually playing music in the background, I don't upload it anywhere except for my website. So if you go to lovethisrecord.com and go about halfway down, you'll see this bright yellow square. It says album side. And I just have probably... I don't know, 20, 22 episodes of it. Uh, I don't, I don't track it. I have, you know, it's not, I don't upload it. So I have no idea if anybody listens to it at all. Uh, I do hardly any editing on it. And so I just, uh, you know, I have my opening, which is, you know, it's a little bit late. The kids are in bed. I crack open a beer. It's time for an album side. And then I'll, you know, put the needle down on the vinyl. And so I've done uh, I've done a, a Leonard Cohen record. I've done an Ozzy Osbourne record. I've done, uh, you know, just whatever, whatever I have there that's not going to be a part of my big show. Uh, I'll do that. So stuff that I, I like but don't necessarily f and love. This seems kind of familiar with like we've done a couple of these John's Twitter listening parties mm-hmm. where we've talked about Billy Joel. We just we we all kind of time it of here's when you put the needle down and we're just going to listen. And then here's us riffing and pontificating about the, uh, the, the, the album. Yeah. Something like that. And so I'll, I'll introduce okay. each song. So it's, it's a little, you know, DJ radio ish. Cause I have that DJ radio ish voice anyway. And so, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I just, I drink a beer uh, and I just talk about whatever comes to my mind. And sometimes I'll, I'll do some notes. Like I'll make sure I know, you know, what year it came out and uh, I'll have like yeah. little notes to say for each song, but I don't do a ton of prep for it and I don't do it all the time, but every once in a while, I'm just like, I'm going to do an album side tonight. And that's what I do. And those are albums that you're familiar with? Uh, for the most part. Yeah. So every once in a while I'll, I have okay. uh, some vinyl that I'm not, I usually buy stuff that I'm already pretty familiar with, but every once in a while I'll take a flyer on something uh, just because it looks interesting or it's something I want to, uh, um, you know, give a listen to, or it's in a nice price or something. And it's like, yeah, yeah. all right, I'll, I'll grab this one. But generally for the album side, it's, it's stuff that I'm pretty familiar with. Okay. I'm actually doing, I don't know if you guys have, have seen this on, on Twitter. There is, I guess in the month of February, there is a thing called the music writer experience. And so you listen to an album each day that you're not familiar with, and then you're supposed to tweet some thoughts about it. And even though I don't, I guess with being a podcaster, I'm not necessarily a music writer, but that's kind of, you know, my, my couple of years of, of doing, you know, music reviews kind of has, always been in the forefront of when we do these podcasts, I'm, I'm doing the music criticism thing. So, um, so if it, it's gotta be records that you're not familiar with and people have been posting about what, who they're listening to, who they're going to listen to. And so here, here are some, here are some albums that I chose and tell me if I'm, um, if, uh, I'm ridiculous because I chose them or, um, or you can give me one of those. What? I can't believe that you've never listened to that all the way through. I think my biggest, what is I've never listened to Paul Simon's Graceland all the way through. Hmm. Wow. That is a surprise. 
I have not. So it's on my list. Um, Highway 61 Revisited. I have not listened to that all the way through. That's my favorite Dylan record. Well, I'm, I will listen to it, and I will let you know how it is. So that's one of a one of a small handful by him that I am not a huge Dylan fan, but I do have that one. Okay, uh, Grateful Dead's American Beauty. I'm kind of getting into the Dead, so I'm going to listen to I'm going to listen to American Beauty. Guys, guys, familiar at all with that one? Uh, I know of it, but I'm not a I'm not a Dead fan, so I'm yeah. I've never really listened to any like other the stuff. Hits. I like the hits, yeah. Okay. I do have a lot of prog on here, and that's mostly because I bought I bought a ton of prog CDs at the Goodwill a couple weeks ago. So I've got uh the Yes album. I've got a couple Genesis. So and then there were three, which I thought that album was talking about they got rid of Peter Gabriel. It's actually after Steve Hackett le- left the band. So Peter Gabriel left like a couple up a uh, couple albums prior to that. So um Genesis of the Lamb lies down on Broadway. Do you guys know any of those Genesis records that I just brought up? I do not. And I've heard of them. Heard, I've heard their name, but I, I've never yeah. listened to them. But I've, I'm kind of like you. I've never actually heard, to my knowledge, it could be one of those I know some songs and I don't realize it, but I've never listened to a single Genesis record when Peter Gabriel was still in the band. Uh, me either. Yeah. No, me either. I, it's all it's all been Abacab and on, on forward. So... So yeah, this will be interesting. Um, I've never listened to Loretta Lynn's Coal Miner's Daughter all the way through. I, I think the only record of hers I've listened to is the one that Jack White produced, uh, the yeah, Van Leer Rose. Yeah, yeah. Yep. that was a, that was a great record. Mm-hmm. Um, and one that's on the list because we started talking about this on the Johnny Cash episode was I threw on there. 40 greatest hits from Hank Williams. Oh, okay. You guys I'm, told me that I needed to listen to more Hank Williams, so um, I'm going to go listen to Hank. There you it, go. it takes some listening to, because he's got a very specific voice, and that is obviously old school, like original yeah. country. Yeah. But he's a great songwriter. I mean, he can yeah. he can do so much in two lines. It's it's amazing. So and just the, the way he utilizes his voice as an instrument is uh is pretty remarkable not something like i visit all the time but when i get in that mood you know there's you need some hank yeah um let's see what are some other ones that i put on here uh wu-tang clans enter the wu-tang never listened to that wayne are you a wu-tang guy i I, i'm a big fan of the wu-tang yeah um and then george michael's older I've never listened to that all the way through. Neither have I. I I think the last thing I listened to was um, probably uh, listen without prejudice, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing with George Michael, I think he had maybe the best pop music voice of all time. I just don't really like the songs that he sang. <laughs> I'm not really much of a pop guy, but his voice is just was fantastic. So yeah. I, I, I was, I get people who like George Michael. It's just not something, you know, it's like, there's, there's a handful of songs by him. I like, but, um, 
not for me, but yeah, his, he just had a beautiful, beautiful voice. Yeah. I've got a Kanye on here. I've got a Beyonce. Which Kanye? Uh, I put down here my beautiful dark twisted yeah, fantasy. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, I think you'll like that. Okay. And then I also put down Paul McCartney's Ram. I've never listened to that. I think that's the one that comes right before Band on the Run, which I absolutely adore. Oh, yeah. I love it. So, anyways, I'm all over the place on this one. Uh, I've also got some Tool on here, Yola Tanga. Uh, did I just say Tanga? Tango. <laughs> um, I've got some Brian Eno on here, Janelle Monet, Kamasi Washington. Uh, I did put another Mark Knopfler album on there since um yeah after shangri-la i uh i'm definitely gonna listen to some more yeah i kind of feel like we 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 told adam right we were gonna listen to more mark knoppler and i haven't done it yet so i'm gonna force myself to uh to listen to some more so anyways all right what else we want to talk about before we get to um afghan wigs uh i'd like to talk about uh something real quick based on one of the former members of this band. Uh, so at the end of every episode, you always encourage your listeners to, to go to a show and to, to buy a t-shirt and to go to a record store when they're open. Yeah. And uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, Sweet Relief, which is a, a musician's uh, music fund, um, mainly for it's uh, helping musicians usually that have some type of a medical problem because oftentimes or almost all the time, they don't have health insurance. Yeah. Uh, so now the lead guitar player on the record we're going to talk about, uh, Dave Rosser, passed away in 2017 from inoperable colon cancer. And he was just really one of the nicest human beings I have ever met in my life. And as I mentioned, I've seen uh, Greg Dooley in various incarnations uh, many, many, many times. And after seeing uh, the Twilight Singers in Warsaw, I think it was in 2005, 2006, uh, most of the band was just sort of hanging out after the show. And so I ended up talking to Dave for a little bit and we had a beer. And uh, later on, we became friends on, going to date this here, on MySpace. <laughs> uh, and then I think it was in uh, 2006, I saw uh, the Gutter Twins in Prague. And before the show, I saw Dave just kind of walking around. And so I went to go say hi. And he's like, I know you from somewhere. And I'm like, yeah, well, we met in Warsaw like a year ago. And he's like, no, I know you from somewhere else. I'm like, and I hated to say it out loud because, you know, I was an adult. I said, I, I, we're friends on MySpace. And he goes, that's right. I know you from the internet. And he like chest bumped me. Uh, <laughs> and after that, like he would, we would talk after or before every single show, uh, he got me free tickets to see the reunion show in 2012. Uh, he always remembered my wife's name, and she's got a very difficult Polish name. And it, it, he was just fantastic. He was just a super nice guy. Uh, and then, obviously, sadly, uh, passed away in 2017. And when he was diagnosed, they had set up this um, um, fund for him on Sweet Relief. And there's now a memorial fund. So if any of your listeners, uh, you know, maybe don't, want to buy a t-shirt or something, if they want to help some of the musicians that either are in need or could be in need, I would really encourage them to go to sweetrelief.org 
and uh, find out where they can donate from there. So I'm a part of a closed group uh, dedicated to the magic of Greg Dooley's music. And uh, uh, we've put together, we've donated money uh, for the last couple of years in Dave Rosser's name. And so uh, it's, it's a really worthwhile thing uh, to, to do, especially because, you know, the, these musicians, obviously, they give us so much and, and they do that often at the expense of their own health. Uh, you know, so they don't have a 401k, they don't have health insurance. And so I would really encourage your listeners to go check that out. There's different ways to donate or to help or to get involved. Uh, and if they don't see something else they like, I would really encourage uh, everybody to do, you know, do something in the name of Dave Rosser. Uh, cause he was, a he was just really a fantastic human being. Very good. Very good. Um, all right. So you've, you've kind of brought up and I think we've all brought up what, what, uh, group we're going to talk about to, to tell the listeners what record you chose to revisit for this episode. I chose due to the beast, the 2014 album from the Afghan wigs. And why is it from all of the Greg Dooley incarnations, this is the one that you decided on? So I'm a gigantic Greg Dooley fan, if you haven't guessed this already. Uh, and I have, uh, I've discussed uh, Blackberry Bell, uh, which was the second Twilight Singers record, which is maybe my all-time favorite record on my show. Um, I've done a couple of their records on my show and a few other things. And uh, I really wanted to talk about this one as opposed to, let's say, Gentleman, because uh, Gentleman is a fantastic record. Uh, I really think that's when they really became the Afghan Whigs. It's one of their most, let's say, just complete documents. But it's also had a ton of ink spilled about it. And if you're yeah. familiar at all with the Afghan Whigs, you probably already know that record. And I would love to talk about that record at some point. But one of the things that I noticed, because the Afghan Whigs never really had a heyday, they can't just sort of go out and tour on their greatest hits. Uh, so it's not like going to see, you know, somebody that has either that one big album or, you know, that, that nice little streak of two, three records where they were on the radio all the time. And, and now nobody cares about their new stuff. You know, if somebody, you know, I don't, they're not one of those bands where they say, here's a one off our new album that everybody goes to get a beer. Uh, and so when I saw them on this tour, I think they played, um, six or seven songs from this record. And when I went to the following tour for In Spades, uh, I would say four-fifths of that tour uh, were songs from those two records. And they pulled out, you know, maybe one from Gentlemen, one from um, uh, 1965, and that kind of thing. So, And the fans, they have like a really small but dedicated fan base. And they're there for the, for the new stuff as well. They're not just there to hear, you know, Miles is Dead. Right, And so I really wanted to talk about this one uh, because this was their first record in 16 years. They had uh, broken up after releasing 1965 and then Greg Dooley went on to do the Twilight Singers. And then even though he swore he would never do it, he did it and got to kind of got together the band again, even though. Uh, so they went on a reunion tour in 2012 and that had uh, the original guitar player, Rick McCollum. And then uh, I don't remember who was drumming at that time because Greg Dooley has gone through more drummers than Spinal Tap. <laughs> uh, and so, but when they reconvened to go into the studio, Rick McCollum uh, chose or was chosen not to continue. And so this really feels like, um, 
the Afghan wigs is really kind of like the Twilight Singers plus John Curley on bass. <laughs> okay. Uh, but it's, it's a great record. And I think anybody who didn't really follow with the Twilight Singers may just have thought there was this huge 16-year gap. Whereas, you know, Dooley put out, I guess, six or seven records in that time. And so it's an interesting thing to, to, to think about just because um, it's not exactly the Afghan wigs, but it's not exactly the Twilight Singers. It's, it's you know, it's the Afghan wigs 2.0. And uh, I thought it would just be fun to revisit this one. Yeah. And, and this isn't a band like a lot of the other bands that kind of had their, you know, sniff of fame in the, the early to mid nineties that, you know, have toured together. Like I know the we, you know, the Weezer and Pixies tour that happened. I don't know a couple of years ago, and then the Bare Naked Ladies always grab. You know, a couple bands like uh, Toad the Wet Sprocket and the Gin Blossoms, for instance, were supposed to do a, a triple bill with them last year. This isn't really a band that w- would be on any of those kind of tours. Like I would never see the Afghan Wigs. Uh, travel with better than Ezra, for instance, even though they're both, I guess you would consider them New Orleans bands, right? Uh, well, they were originally from Cincinnati, but yeah, I see, you know, uh, he, Greg Dooley ended He's, up relocating to, to New right. Orleans. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, let's see what else you already mentioned came out in 2014. That was on sub pop records. And, this was the first record that they did in 16 years. So there was a 16 year gap between, between records, um, did pretty well on the, on the billboard albums chart. So hit number eight on the rock albums chart. Um, that's, that's, that's good. Billboard, the, the top 200 albums, that's everything combined. Um, I guess it was peaked at number 32, which, Hey, still on the charts. So I'm assuming it's all the rabid fans that you talked about that are buying this up. Cause I don't recall this coming out in 2014, even though I was still buying records at that time. Yeah. Yeah. People were pretty excited about it. That, uh, that, that tour in 2012 really got a lot of people interested. Uh, I said, you know, Greg Dooley had always swore he wouldn't put it together unless, you know, some, you know, oil billionaire was going to pay him uh, <laughs> a ton of money. And then uh, I don't remember exactly what ended up changing his mind. He was just like, all right, let's, you know, let's do this. And uh, and that was that was a lot of fun because that was more, you know, obviously, they didn't have any new music. They, they did a couple of covers uh, that they never put out, you know, so they did, a, I think they did a Thin Lizzy song and, and another okay. one I can't quite remember. Uh, and then they ended up doing, I think, South by Southwest with Usher. And that really is what made him decide, yeah, we're going to, we're going to do this and we're going to go into the studio. So after having a, a pretty successful tour and it, wait, you know, wait, with the R and B guy, Usher. Yeah. Yeah. I did not know this. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. I think you can find some stuff uh, out there and Usher really, cause one of the things that really separated the Afghan wigs from, you know, cause they were kind of sort of lumped into that grunge thing because they were on sub pop for a sub bit. Pop. Yep. Uh, and so they were the first band from outside of the Pacific Northwest to be signed to sub pop. Um, and then, you know, they ended up on one, one, uh, one record for Electra and one for Columbia. 
And, uh, but they, they always had that soul influence. So they, they realized that, uh, you know, so it wasn't just sort of like the punk and metal fusion that you were getting from a lot of the grunge bands that they, you know, they knew how to get you to shake your ass a little bit. And that, that's always kind of, and, and he, he used to joke that he was, uh, they were a cocaine band in a heroin town. And, uh, <laughs> and so I think it was like Usher, if I remember correctly, didn't, wasn't really familiar with the band, but when he heard a couple of their tracks that had that kind of groove to it, he was like, yeah, let's do this. And so that's, uh, I think just that creative spark is what ended up getting them into the studio and, and producing this record. What made them break up in the first place? As far as I know, it just had to do with location. So, you know, John Curley stayed in the Cincinnati area. So he, um, he also produces records that he he's the guy that does uh, ultra suede, uh, studio is Greg Curley, okay. the bass player, uh, Rick McCollum. I don't remember where he was. And Greg Dooley was splitting time between new Orleans and, um, Los Angeles. And, uh, like I said, they just went through so many different drummers that, uh, it just, it just got to the point where, um, they just didn't have it, you know? So I, I want to say that, uh, you know, I, I don't know if Curly had just become a dad and, you know, so they had, a, uh, it was really amicable, you know, so there was no bad blood as far as I know. Yeah. But okay. uh, Dooley was just ready to kind of do his own thing. Now that first Twilight Singers record he had put out was a side project and it's very different. So there's, a, you know, Sean Smith and uh, a Harold, uh, I can never remember his last name, Cheshire, something, Happy Harold from uh, Royal Crown and uh, Howlin' Maggie. So it was the three of them and they, you know, Philip Brazilla um, did like these electronic beats behind it. And it was really just meant as a side project uh, in between albums. But then after the the Afghan Whigs broke up, he ended up doing Twilight Singers full time. And, and that really changed the dynamic of what he was doing. And then uh, they decided to, to get back together. So and, and I think to uh, to good, good intent. Yeah. Yeah, I know that I've listened to some Twilight Singer albums because of that, because of the Sean Smith thing. Because mm-hmm. um, we've we've talked about Sean Smith on this podcast a couple different times, and how much I I love him and miss him. Then you should definitely check out that first one, Twilight, as sung by the Twilight Singers. Okay, uh, it's it's a different animal because it was really meant as a side project. Yeah. Uh, and it's great. I I, I know I've listened. Yeah, I know I've listened to it. I just uh, maybe I need to add that to my um, list. My my music writer experience. Actually, 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 probably would be lying because I know that I've listened to that before. <laughs> um, I would encourage you to listen to that and then listen to Blackberry Bell. Okay. Blackberry Bell is so good. All right, Wayne. With all this talk, have you dove into any? Twilight Singers or Gutter Twins or no? Um, one thing I realized is uh, I didn't listen to the Afghan Wigs, and I thought I did um, in the '90s. It was like when I listened to this one and I I heard how kind of heavy it sounded. And then I went back to Gentlemen, and I'm like, I don't know why. I think their name sounds Britpop, and so I I really had a whole different like I thought I I knew the name, and I thought I had listened to them or heard some of their stuff. And it turns out I haven't. I have now, not, but I hadn't at the time. It's not gigolo what? ants. It's Afghan wigs. <laughs> no, it just sounds very shoegazer kind of. That's, I, that's, that's, that's always how I envisioned it from the name. And so listening to this, I mean, it, it, it punches you in the face a little bit, that first track. And then 
I went back and listened to uh, Gentleman this week also because that's the one that I I knew I had heard of and I knew I had heard songs off of it. Uh, it just turned out I I had not listened to it and I thought I had. You didn't borrow my 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 Gentleman CD. No, ninety three, which was funny, is I I kind of was thinking why because after the I mean listening to the first track parked outside, I thought. Wow, this sounds like right in my wheelhouse, and 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 it would have been in '91, like when I first yeah. my first uh, marriage was dissolving, and I was spending a lot of time at the Red Roof Pub in the Mosh Pit every Friday night. And by '93, I was I was okay, I was out of it, and I I mean I was listening to like you know incest, uh, what was it? Uh, I'm drawing uh, a complete blank. Uh, in Utero was out, but I was also listening to like James, and I I'd kind of gone through it, and now I was. I was a little bit happier, so I wasn't listening to as much harder stuff. And I, I realized that I like that kind of music, but I only like the hard stuff that I'm familiar with. So it was it was tough to get into this. This was a record I enjoyed listening to, especially this morning when I kind of had it on headphones and was in focusing on it a little bit better. Um, but yeah, I, I like the hard stuff that I already know. And so it's I, I realize as, as, uh, as I've aged, I'm... I'm definitely get off my lawn guy when it comes to heavier music. <laughs> yeah. And, and I feel like this is, uh, I, I don't even know how to, how to phrase it. Um, I, I was going to ask you later on for, for one of the songs and, and maybe I'll just bring it up now, Derek is, is why are you so angry? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it, the Afghan Wigs is, is a band that I had initially kind of missed, like you guys were talking about, because I, I worked in college radio in the early to mid 90s. And there's two bands I kind of avoided because their name was so stupid. And it was the Afghan Wigs and the Archers of Loaf. And I ended up really liking both of those bands. And especially this one, this just I, I had been given this uh, sampler that they had put out when they were releasing 1965, which was uh, before this, their, their swan song. Yeah. And it was, it was like a slow burn. Like I, I listened to it. I was like, all right, that's okay. And then I kind of shelved it. And then I listened to it again. I was like, yeah, that's okay. And then one day I was listening to it and I was like, oh, wait, I'm sorry. This is the best thing I've ever heard in my entire life. And I just went and got everything that they had done. And at the time I was in a really good place in my life. And so gentlemen, as much as I appreciate it, like if I would have heard Gentlemen about two years earlier, I would probably absolutely love that record more than anything because I was going through a really bad time. And that's a harrowing record. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so initially, 1965 was my favorite just because that's their party record. Um, and so, you know, they have these heavy elements. And so I was a, I was a metalhead when I was a kid. You know, the first concert I ever saw was Motley Crue and Guns N' Roses. And, you know, I've seen Slayer and Metallica five times each and, you know, this kind of thing. And then like a lot of uh, metal guys, when grunge hit, it was an easy transition to make because it was still pretty heavy. And then working in college radio, I started just listening to a lot of other things. And I really feel like the Afghan wigs, when I got into them, which was, you know, later, they had already broke, they had just broken up basically when I got into them and it was just kind of like that fusion of everything I had been listening to. And, uh, you know, I'm originally from Michigan. And so my, my mom was a big, um, Motown fan. And so that's always been kind of in the background for me. And so just like that, that it's, it's heavy, but it's, it's obviously it's not metal. 
Uh, it's not grunge. Uh, and they have these different elements and just something about it. It's like the right band at the right time. And I just fell down that rabbit hole and have ridden it out because a lot of times you get into a band and like maybe that next record isn't something, but they've just, he's just been putting out great record after great record. Yeah. And, uh, and I guess I'm just, I'm a little bit angry because I don't know why not, you know, I'm an American living in Poland on purpose. You know, there's obviously something wrong with me. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. I was trying to go back cause I, I, I did refine this. I know I, I sold Afghan wigs, uh, the, the, the gentleman CD, uh, you know, in the mid nineties, that was kind of the thing. If you stopped listening to a record, you went to a CD exchange place and exchanged it for something. So it mm-hmm. wasn't, so it wasn't in my, my collection for a while. And so I've refound it at the, at the Goodwill and bought it for a buck. And I remember listening to it and I'm trying to, trying to go back in my Facebook feed, um, to see what I listened to afterwards. Cause like I did an about face, you know, I'm, I listen to a lot of stuff while I'm working. Mm-hmm. And, um, I remember after, after listening to that, I'm like, uh, I need a palate cleanser. Like, uh, and I, and I'm trying to remember what I put on there and, you know, afterwards I probably put a toad, the wet sprocket record on after listening to that. Cause, uh, I needed, needed something a little, um, lighter fare after, after listening. Cause that is a heavy record. It is. It's not one I go back to all the time other than debonair, which is a, just such a great song. Yeah. Uh, I'm a, for me now, like black love, I think is, is their best record. So that's, that's one I would encourage because that's got some, you know, it's got some heavy stuff, but it's got some slinky stuff and yeah. it's a, it's a good, good record. All right. Should we jump into it? Let's do it. Anyway. So uh reminder of our scoring, it's based on number of songs on this record. Wayne. The perfect number 10. Yeah. I was just going to say, Derek, wait, wait to hear how giddy he's going to be when he says just 10. That's how, that's how I'm. How many songs right. should be on every record? That's why. That's why I chose this one, just for you, Wayne. Oh, that's too sweet. <laughs> uh, next time we have you on, um, please make sure that you grab one that's like twenty-one songs, <laughs> <laughs> just, just to piss Wayne off. All right, this hey, Williams forty greatest. That's it. That's it. <laughs> so top song's going to get ten points. Next favorite song nine points on down to low score of one. So let's let's kick this off with "Parked Outside." Wayne, you already mentioned the, uh, the 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 thump at the beginning of this. I love albums that start with a little bit of a thunderous beat to them. You know, think uh, Custard Pie on Physical Graffiti or um, your favorite record, Rhyming and Stealing from the Beastie Boys, which um, I guess is also Led Zeppelin, right? Yeah. Um, I, I think too many albums start out with kind of like building up to the noise. Um, but 
I I don't know. I just sometimes I just want to be punched in the face. Sometimes I don't want uh you know where the streets have no name where you've got like a minute and a half build up to them actually playing their instruments you know give give, give me a punch in the face yeah that this this definitely does it and like i say when i heard this and it's got those great sludgy guitars and that snare is so uh it's just it's not normal it's very it's almost like a kick drum and it's in the way it just kind of duplicates your heartbeat almost but this has a real, this is a 90s sound I was accustomed to. It's just not the 90s sound I was accustomed to hearing from them. Yeah, okay. it's not, it doesn't, It like I say, when I listened to, I went back and listened to some of the stuff off Gentleman. It sounds a lot more like some of the stuff that's coming up. This sounded heavier. And and I think that's a great way to start out because uh, I, like I say, I, and he's super smart. I One of the things I did notice in this, in this looking at the lyrics and going through it is he uses words that don't get a lot of use and which they're, they're, they're perfect. They fit perfectly, but they, it just this extra large vocabulary that he brings to it gives it a a whole nother, a a very smart sound to some very dark. I don't think it's angry. It's scary. Like some of these come off as a, as like a slasher film. But yeah, the guy, this parked outside. He's he's definitely parked outside watching things happen inside. Yeah. When was the last time you heard a song use the word supplication? Yeah, that's one of <laughs> one of the ones I've got. But incinerate, illustrate, uh, pinnacle. Yeah. Nobody people don't put pinnacle in. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I love his word choices because it, it doesn't feel like he's just going to a thesaurus. Yeah. You know, I think in, in other other people's hands, it may sound like, oh, okay, yeah, you <laughs> you got a thesaurus. C- congratulations. Uh, it just, it, there's something like just visceral about the way he writes. And I think that's why those words really work. So I found a, uh, I found an interview with Greg from the website Drowned in Sound about this, this record. So I'm going to bring it up a couple different times. Here's what Greg had to say about the feel of this song. He said, Parked Outside, for instance, started out as a drum beat, and then I built the riff around the drum beat. Metamorris, I'm probably not saying that right, started also started out as a drum beat because drums were my first instrument. So there you go. Anything else on Parked Outside? Yeah. So my thing with this one, uh, I'm like you. I love a good punch in the face. Uh, to start, I just find this riff to be kind of unimaginative. And I think the drumming on this record is phenomenal. And I'm going to bring it up quite a few times. But I don't like the opening drum riff to this one because it's a little too, uh, it's a little too plodding in the drums and in the guitar. Like if it was one or the other, I think I would be fine with it. But just something about this one doesn't really work for me uh, as a whole. Um, I, you know, there's, I think his voice work is great on this one, a, a really terrific vocal performance. Uh, you know, that's, uh, and I have the same thing. So on her cross, you know, by uh, serial supplication, it's like, I don't know, that's great. <laughs> um, and I don't think a lot of people could pull that off. But um, yeah, just something about this one. I, I just wish it was in a different place on the record. Um, because I think there's more interesting songs that they could have let off with. I think this, this strikes me as more of a side two song two kind of song. Um, and the two times I've seen them live since they released this record, they played it both times. 
and it's a it's a good tune, but uh, you know, not one of my favorites. Gotcha. All right. Well, what is your score, Derek? This is my one. All right, Wayne. A five. And this is my six. And then the next song, somebody's cracking one open. All right, next song. <laughs> that's, that's me. Is uh, Metamorphos. Did I? Did I? Am I saying that right, Derek? I believe so. Yeah, that's how Waylon Jennings said it. Oh, okay. And ain't no god in Mexico. Yeah, because this feels like a little story about Billy Joe and Bobby Sue. I don't know if you were okay. uh, in, in the lyrics. I mean, it even mentions take the money and run in the first verse. But it, it, there, you you can see a robbery and then off they go. And, and I'm almost – and I know Madame Morris is across the Rio Grande from Brownsville where as take the money and run starts in El Paso. But if you put this forward a little bit, you know, they've been on the run. And this relationship is starting to deteriorate in parts. Well, actually says I'm over you. So, yeah. uh, but it has its start with this really exciting, you know, a robbery where people get killed or, you know, and, and then it goes into this kind of, it has a very on the run feel about it. Yeah. And lyric and musically it sounded much more, it does that soul sound that there, that they, that is often been associated with them is much more in this one. All right. Another quote from that interview. So, the interviewer asked was asking where does where does this song get get its name from? And he says, "Matamoros is a border town on the border of Brownsville, Texas. There were a series of satanic murders there in the late '80s. I like the syllables in the name. There are three locations that are on the record. Matamoros is the first. Algiers is the second, and Canrova is the third. They're evocative without pinning me into writing about something. Someone was like, is the song about satanic murders in Mexico? Not at all. If it is to you, dot, dot, dot. I just gave you a piece of trivia. So he's, he's cryptic in his interviews just as much as he's cryptic in his lyrics. Oh, definitely. I'm going to bring that up as well. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Derek, what do you got on this song? Uh, so whereas I found the, the first one, first song to not be very interesting, I think this song is very, very interesting. There's a lot going on and it's, it's pretty short. It's less than three minutes long. And again, with the drum, like the crisp snare at the beginning of this is just so great. Uh, and then there's little stabs of keyboard and the, the guitar work on this is just really cool. And then, you know, the, the bridge kind of comes up and, uh, Rick Nelson, um, does a ton of stuff on this record. So I think he was at one point in the uh, polyponic spree, something like that. Okay. Uh, and he's a, a multi-instrumentalist. And I think he came on to the uh, Twilight Singers for their, for their last record. And uh, Greg Dooley had described that he was just putting like these wombs around the songs. Like you may not notice what he's doing, but you would notice it if it was gone. And on stage, he does so much. Uh, so he plays the violin, he plays the guitar, he plays the keyboards, and he plays the cello along with other things. 
So sometimes you see him live and he'll have a, a, a guitar around his back and he'll have the uh, violin under his tucked under his chin and he's playing the keyboard and he'll play all three of those in the same song mm. on stage. And he also plays, uh, plays cello sometimes. And so, uh, you know, when, when that violin part comes on, uh, it almost sounds Mid-Eastern to me in a, in a way. Um, and it's just great. It's, this is like a classic FU breakup song from Greg Dooley. Uh, and I've, I read a couple of interviews where people had asked him if this was a true story or based on a true story. And obviously they're referencing, get your clown car ready, uh, clown car horn ready. So they're obviously they're referencing the line, if my desire for your company made this motherfucker point his gun at me. So they're asking about that line without saying it out loud. And then he just brings up uh, how I want to say one of the, I think the singer from After Hours, which is a, an Italian rock band that he produced, uh, had said something about Matamoros. And also he was responsible apparently for the name of the record due to the beast because he had was outside the door during a session. And he says, it sounds like you were saying due to the beast. And so that ended up being the, the record uh, okay. uh, name. And, and he never answers the question <laughs> nope. and, and I'm sure like the interviewer probably noticed it as well. And, you know, he's not a politician. You don't have to put his feet to the fire. So they just kind of, they kind of let it go. But, uh, you know, there's just, just a ton of stuff going on in the song. That's great. And I don't know if you guys saw the video for it. Did not. They have these, uh, uh no. so they have like these, it's basically just these break dancers in the subway. Uh, and different people dancing and stuff. It's pretty cool. So the band's not in it at all. And this was either the first or second song that they had put a video out for. Uh, and this is this is one like, okay, I'm sold. This is just, this is great. So it doesn't really sound like classic wigs. And it doesn't quite do Twilight Singers. And it's just, it it's, it's just interesting and it's fun. And it's just a short burst and it's great. I gotcha. All right. Scores. Wayne. I, I agree. This is a, a super interesting story. He does throw in motherfucker. I gave him extra points for that. This is my nine. <laughs> oh, Derek, Derek, <laughs> what do you got? This is my eight. All right. This is my seven. And I, and I deducted points for using MF on that. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Just because you knew what, because you knew Wayne was going to give him no, back. I, I knew, I knew he was going to have this as a high one. All right, next song is It Kills. this out here i have zero notes about it because this is my least favorite song and um i'm just going to turn this over to wayne while i um open my office door and air this out because it's really stinking like shrimp in here right now so <laughs> go wayne there uh, you go and i liked it uh, sonically it was so different than anything we'd heard to this point there's a, a ticking of a clock and the piano um and then he's like that's he's almost like scatting you know uh with that real soulful way to drag things out towards the end of some of the words. Um, but it's right there, you know, with, with, uh, 
the stuff that he's had in here previously, right? There's a there's definitely some tension, and again, he's you know he's hot, this this vocabulary where he's using imperceptible um, and receptacle. No, you know these aren't word construed. He's using he's using his vocabulary to to paint a, a broader picture. Yeah, yeah, and I, I really like that about his songwriting. And for me, um, this is one that I I kind of forget that I like it. Uh, and that's reflected in my score because uh, I like the piano intro, but it just feels like it comes too early in the sequencing and and the verses are good. Uh, and I really love the choruses, especially when the female backup singers enter the picture. Uh, but ultimately, this is one that just it's it's good, but it just it kind of falls flat uh, ultimately. And I just I think it's just because even though I like that piano intro, I think that kind of belies what the song really is. And if it was maybe a different type of intro, I would maybe like the song a little bit more because this is one of those, like the first one was the, you know, FU breakup. And this is more of the self-loathing breakup. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's a decent tune, but you know, not, not one of my favorites. All right. All right. Uh, I'm back. Scores, Wayne. Six. Derek. Two. All right. Next song, Algiers. I think I'm saying that right. right? Algiers? I don't know. I probably should have done some more um, <laughs> more, more <laughs> research on how to pronounce it, but all, all good. I assume that Greg is not talking about the capital of Algeria, but I think he's talking about a section of New Orleans called Algiers, which is a section that is known as the 15th Ward, one of the 17 wards of New Orleans. And uh, it was home to lots of jazz musicians and uh, supposedly is the biggest part of the history of New Orleans. And I don't know if it houses two of my favorite places in New Orleans, which is Domelisa's Po' Boys or Parkway Bakery and Tavern, which also is home of some fantastic Po' Boys. Um, anyways, can you tell that I'm I'm dieting right now because <laughs> I'm thinking about food? Like the roast beef Po' Boy that I had at the Parkway Bakery a couple years ago, that's one of those sandwiches that I still remember. I'll shut up now. Wayne, what do you got on this one? And I didn't, I'm not familiar with New Orleans, uh, but he did. I feel like some of the instrumentation gives it some bit of that North African, Middle Eastern kind of a feel. Because this really uh, musically painted this, I mean, I could just see this walking around in the, I mean, there's a there's a lostness to it. Uh, there's, a, there's a sweetness also to it uh, in there. But there's st- it still reeks of anguish and underlying violence. Derek, what do you got? I love the fake out because this is priming you for a big kind of wall of sound song. 
because they comp the drum intro to uh, Be My Baby. Yeah. And instead, it pulls back and gives you a guitar riff that's much more handsome family than the Ronettes. It's, you know, it's like the same guitar, like a True Detective, uh, the song that was, I think, in the first season. Uh, this is the almost ex- exact same guitar riff okay. to that one. And so I like how it's, you know, it's setting you up and you're waiting for like this, this big crash. And instead, it just really, it pulls you back. Um, and a few years before this album came out, uh, Greg had quit smoking. And so he felt like he was like really in better voice than he had ever been in his entire life. And so you can tell he, this is one of the few times he's really uh, playing with his upper register. Uh, and I really like the phrasing in this song, like where he starts, like where he'll say like faith. And then it's kind of like that pause and it goes into the next, uh, the rest of the line and then dream, uh, stay screen you know, Like he just, just the way he sings it, I think is pretty interesting. And one of my favorite lines on the record is in this one. It's like a dream, your sins away, sin, your dreams away. Uh, and that's so great. And then right after that line, Rosser rips off just a gnarly guitar solo, like the tone. I don't really pay attention to guitar solos a lot of the time, but this is one that I do. It's like, that's just a, a, a solo that really makes you sit up and take notice. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and this was either the first or so I can't remember if this came out first or, or if Metamoros came out first, but, uh, so these both have videos, the video for this one, actually the band is in, uh, one of the few times that that happens and it's, uh, it's, it's fun, but, uh, yeah. So this was a nice introduction to, to the record and, uh, it's, uh, is a really good tune. Very good. Um, this is what he had to say about the be my baby drum beat. He said, I had the riff and I needed something to start the song. Then I thought, I've never used that drum beat. Other people have. The Jesus and Mary chain have. It's there for the taking, and I'm going to take it now. <laughs> so, there you go. Um, one last thing before I get scores. So, this surprised me. This song has the most listens on Spotify than any other Afghan wig song. Really? 6.8 million. The next closest. What do you think the next closest is? Ooh, um, it's debonair. I'll just throw okay. that out. How many? Okay, so yeah. How many million listens do you think that debonair has? Two. One point six. Okay. Yeah. So this this song just beats the crap out of it as far as uh, plays. So I don't know what the reasoning was was behind that. Was this in like a movie? Was it in? Um, True detective, like you, like you mentioned. <laughs> I mean, I I don't know. I don't know the reasoning on that. All right, scores. This is my top song. Wayne, eight. Derek, and this is my five. Right. Next song is Lost in the Woods. throw this over to Derek because man I need some help with translating the lyrics on this one <laughs> uh, so I, I love that dark and moody piano that opens it up it really just it sets a scene 
Uh, and, you know, upon first listen, this song reminded me most of old Afghan wigs. I think this is one that's closest to that original sound. And I like just how elements keep being added to the song as it goes on. So he's got that, you know, that deep left-hand piano, and then it's joined by this kind of light, these light runs with the right hand. And then, you know, there's some symbols that come in at the start of the second verse. And then it just all opens up. It just blossoms into that where he's like, you know, but you and then baby, you know, there's just the way he sings that. And then like the piano changes just a little bit. It almost has like this 70s piano kind of sound to it. And then it goes right back down after that, uh, after that verse. And then the strings come into the mix and it just gets really dark at this point. And I love this one when they perform this one live and when he would sing the line, I'm not leaving until I know what I need to know. And he would just, he would, he, I think had put down the guitar at this point and was just holding the microphone and he is, he was like wagging his finger into the face of the audience. And he's got like these big bear paw kind of hands and it just really sold that line where it's like just listening to it on the CD. I didn't think much about, you know, I liked it, but seeing him perform that one live, it's like, oh, he means business right now. Uh, and it's just, it, it was really great. And I think so much of what they do well, they do in this song. Um, I'm not really sure what any of it means. Uh, a lot of times he talks about when he writes a song, it's more about what feels good in his mouth. Is I've heard him say at, about other songs. And uh, you know, a lot of times his songs don't really have a meaning. And uh, I try to parse the lines the best I can. Uh, but this is just one that just really musically and vocally and especially when he performed it live is just as just great i love this song so much yeah wayne anything yeah well um lyrically it has a real captive kind of a feel especially in that second verse where like it says reason why start the conversation reason now before it's too late almost like when a victim will start trying to ask questions to try to figure out what situation they're in or try to stall um but in the timeline of that, I like it. It's got almost a Pulp Fiction kind of a way of jumping around chronologically um, until the end, till the lost in the woods. I mean, she escapes and is running lost in the woods. But I do think that that, that uh, when you have these dark lyrics and then you jump to that real poppy piano, almost like sing-along part, it really, because uh, you, you can't help but smile during that section of the song. It's very, it's very bright. But then contrasted with these this this very dark scary story it that is even more interesting i think yeah all right scores derek this is my nine wayne seven this is my two sorry guys i just didn't understand it and it was too dark for me um all right the lottery is next immediate reactions when I saw the lottery. So this is, this is my, this is my English major coming out 
to my first thoughts go to American Lit class in college. Anybody Shirley. read the short short story called The Lottery from Shirley Jackson? Oh, yeah. Yep. One of the best. Um, kind of has that feel to it as well. I couldn't figure out. I, 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 I Google searched a lot because I wanted to see if, if Dooley had read this and, and was using that as kind of the basis for this song. I'm going to guess that it is, but I, I couldn't, couldn't validate it. So what do you guys got on this one? So now this is the song that I would have chosen to kick off the record. I think this is a much more okay. interesting song uh, than uh, Parked Outside. And it's, it's heavy and it has that kind of punch in the face. Uh, but it also has some of the different elements that Dooley added to his arsenal during his time with the Afghan wigs. Like at the beginning, you can hear that kind of like electronic stuff going on in the background. It sounds like kind of like whiplash almost. Uh, and, you know, uh, Nelson, once again, has a, a, a ton of input on how this one sounds. And it almost has kind of a John the Baptist feel for the new lineup. It's not as good as that song because very, very few things in this world are as good as John the Baptist. But, uh, you know, I just think this one has a lot of interesting elements to it. Uh, and I love that, you know, it's that, you know, let it be night, baby, come undone. And I don't know, once again, they had a video for this one, which is, it was a lot of fun. It's, it's just there. I think it's either their light guy or their, their sound tech uh, behind the board and he's he's a lot younger than anybody else in the band and so they they referred to him as cougar bait and it's just him dancing to this song behind the board and from probably a dozen different shows and so he's dancing and he's singing and he's playing air guitar but while also you know doing whatever you know either lights or sound or whatever it is that he's doing yeah. and it's super fun there's nothing else it's just this dude dancing and it's right. great. And it made me appreciate the song a lot more because I want to say like the first few listens to this record, uh, this wasn't one of my favorites, but this is one that really grew on me. And a lot of that had to do with just seeing the joy in this guy's face who had to listen to this song, you know, <laughs> every night for however long they were on tour. And he just, you know, from beginning to end, he's having a great time. He's jumping around, he's dancing, he's singing. And it's, it's really, you can just see... You know, for something that may be based on a really, really dark short story, he's, you know, he's living his best life on this one. That's funny. Anyone else want to start singing? Just like the white wing does <laughs> at the beginning. <laughs> I do. Now I will. Thanks, Ben. Okay. It just has that that first vibe, and I know it's only for a couple seconds, but I immediately go to that. All right. And th- there's I'll a there's a. There, there's a more than better chance that he has actually done that because he'll just throw in snippets of other songs into his songs. Yeah. So that, that that's possible that that's happened. <laughs> okay. Wayne, what do you got? I got a real like a school shooter dynamic from it. Um, just the way he's, that starts out um, almost like he's waiting. And then there's, uh, and then what was it? Watch them run. Then there's the, the end where he says, and now we've reached the end one for now, one for always one for me, um, which in most of those situations, the shooter ends up killing himself. Uh, and like I say, he's, get, he's taken me to a dark place. So now I, I, I I'm seeing shadows. <laughs> Man. All right. Let's, uh, let's move on from that. Wayne, what do you got? Three. Derek. This is my seven. All right, this is my four. All right, next song is Can Rova. Oh, my 
just going to throw this over to Wayne because I get the benefit of seeing scores. Yeah. So this one snuck up on me like, uh, and there's, there's a, there's a simpleness to it. Not, and I don't mean that in any derogatory sense. It has like a Springsteen feel like it's, you know, moody, uh, but the, he keeps saying we, because that's another, once again, these, these, these lyrics paint this picture and he, he's, you know, start the car, check the mirror. I mean, he's, he's leaving this situation and he keeps, keeps saying we, but I, but I, if she's there, she's in the trunk. Um, there's <laughs> that's that once again, this is, he's done this to me, but there's, I think musically, it just has this very subtle, simple nature to it that, that it has, it has some, some resemblance to a Springsteen song. And the only other reference to Can Rova that I could find besides their song was um, a city or a, a place in Ibiza, which is mentioned in Life on Mars from Ibiza to the Norfolk Broad. So, yeah, I, I Googled this and, and um, I couldn't figure out where this was. However, I did go to Urban Dictionary, that was one of the Google um, entries. And this definition is actually not R-rated or X-rated. Rova, according to Urban Dictionary, stands for the rest of Virginia. It's the opposite of Nova, which stands for Northern Virginia. It says this term has been adopted by members of Northern Virginia to help set them apart from the lower half of the state. For instance, in Rova, Confederate flags are a prominent fixture Trailers are a common form of housing and big hair is everywhere. You might, you must also be aware of the amount of spandex that's worn in that region. So I don't know if that's true or not, but Hey, any, any chance to uh, quote urban dictionary on this podcast, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. So yeah, you gotta. Yeah. All right. Derek, you got anything? Uh, yeah, so I like uh, so this is I think one of the few time, first times we hear some cello, which uh, I'm assuming is being played by uh, by Rick. Um, I took out my vinyl copy and I was hoping that each song would have the personnel on it, but not the case, and I couldn't really find exactly which instruments were be pl- were being played on which song. Uh, but it definitely sounds like a cello, and I know he plays cello and that guitar opening, and uh, and as you know, Wayne was saying like those just short, real stabby lines as he sings at the beginning. And I also have that has that very Bruce Springsteen feel just because it's talking about driving and just that like ain't nothing but the stripes is such a, an evocative line. Um, and, uh, you know, from a sparse beginning at about halfway, this one really builds up again and, uh, you know, even includes some like techno beats by the very end. It's even got that kind of thing going on. Um, and with the exception of song one and song 10, all of these songs went through the records revisited shuffle for me. Like I think every yeah. single song, like at least three different scores. Uh, this one rose as high as my seven. And then f- I think it, it, it ended up for me, I'll go ahead and give my score. Now this ended up being my three. And as much as I really like this song, this one is kind of slippery for me for some reason that there's times I listen to it. I'm like, that is a great song. And there's other times I listen to it. I'm like, eh, I think I'm going to go to the next one. And, you know, if we would have done this last week, this may have still been my seven, <laughs> you know, one of those kind of things. So this is the one that that's traveled the most and because it's got that car thing to it. So maybe that's fitting. Yeah. All right. Uh, Wayne, your score. Yeah. And the car driving away at night is an image I love uh, in and of itself. But yeah, this was this turned out 
rose up to my top score. All right. And this is my three. And I know all about the records revisited shuffle. This, this, <laughs> was, this was as high as my six earlier this week. And it just kind of kept slipping as I was moving around numbers. All right. Next song, Royal Cream. This this resonated more with me than you guys. Um, I guess maybe I should have looked on Urban Dictionary for the definition of royal cream. <laughs> Actually, no, I probably shouldn't have. Um, and I didn't. Uh, though I did Google it, and the only thing that kept coming up was royal cream cheese frosting ingredients. <laughs> Which, again, not a good thing when you're trying to diet. So... Um, <laughs> I don't know. There's, there's something about this song that just, um, I, I really dug and I don't, I don't know if it's the, if it's the, the, the buildup, this is, um, I think this is one of the, the, the longest songs on the record. It's like four and a half minutes. I don't know. There was just a lot of, lot of buildup to this. It's one that I just kind of kept coming back to cause it was, it, it's hard for me to say it's a mood piece because I feel like every song on this record <laughs> is a mood piece. Um, but I think it was the, 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 the stops and starts uh, towards the, the, the middle of the, the, the song that just kind of kept bringing me back to it. It's just a rock and tune and um, I dig it. So um, given this, this, this is my nine. So I don't know how you guys are, are viewing this because Wayne, this, this didn't track very high for you. And and most of it is that I felt like I'd heard this one musically. It had a familiar sound. Like I had heard this song already on the record. Um, It is interesting. And I I like to say, I didn't do any, I didn't look into try to find out anything, what the, you know, the author meant Greg Dooley was trying to talk about. So all of this is coming from, I, certain lines just mean certain things to me or make me go in a certain direction and uh, bow down or kill the crown. It, it definitely gave me a, a like a family structure. Um, and then there was a line about, Oh, uh, the Royal cream is loved and diseased by love. There's a, there was a line where it felt like um, his dad was cheating on his mom and he's going to kill him. But like I say, this guy has created a darkness inside of me that, that I'm going I'm to have to, <laughs> it's going to be, take a little bit to get out of. Uh, sorry, Wayne. No, I'm I mean, really every, you know what? <laughs> it can't be light without dark, but lyrically I felt it was less poetic than some of the other stuff. And it, it came, it was, I don't know, a little more ham fisted. It wasn't, it almost like he was trying too hard where as previously it, it seems to flow out much more naturally. Sure. And this one we have, we have our second demon. So this is the second time demon is used on the record. Uh, And I think this one also could have made a good opener. uh, But I I really feel like eight, nine and 10 are a suite. Like they all really flow into each other. 
And like I said, I have this on vinyl and uh, for some reason they did, it's four sides of vinyl, even though it's only 10 songs. So you play it at uh, 45 RPM and the, uh, the side four is these three songs and they just, they fit as a suite for me. So I don't think you could move this one to the first place um, because you couldn't move that one to eight, let's say. Um, and I, I really like how this one really opens up in the second verse and, uh, you know, and Ben, as you were saying, like the drumming on this is f- so good. It's so good. Like there's that drum break and then the, the breakdown where, you know, where he says, you know, like that, you know, jump back, kiss the Jack. Uh, and that's just, and then there's a couple of times where it does that. And like, I play air drums to this song every time I cannot help myself. And that's not something I do all the time, but for this one, cause there's just, I mean, there's such, such top notch drumming throughout this whole record, but this, you know, is it's maybe not the best song, but I think some of the best drumming on the record. Uh, and I think there's some good lines. I mean, I, I don't disagree with you on this one, Wayne, where, I, you know, again, you know, we hear, we're hearing Demon for the second time. And there's a few things where it doesn't quite work. But I love that this apology kills a part of me. And then the other line, it was uh, love destroyed by love. And those are just really great in, in Dooley's hands. So I think th- those work and and. And because I just love these last three songs all together, this one probably is a little bit higher than I, than maybe it deserves. <laughs> so this was, uh, this was my six. All right. Sorry. I was lighting a candle. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, the shrimp link cuisine is really driving me nuts. Sorry guys. Uh, I already said this was my nine. Wayne, what, what was your score again? This was my lowest. It was a one. That was your lowest. Okay. All right, so we're all over the place on this one. All right, next song, I Am Fire. And that's what prompted me to cancel once I saw what the next song was coming up. Sorry, guys. So my notes here say you had me at hand claps. <laughs> I have no idea what the lyrics mean. I like them. I think that this is great poetry. I still don't know how to interpret it, but I, I, I like the song because of, of the poetry of it. Um, and it goes back to what you were saying earlier, Wayne, of the words that he uses is, you know, when was the last time you had, a song that uses conjoined yeah, that's the one succinctly, distinctly, um, all in the same, the, the, in the same lyrics. So yeah, I just think, uh, he, he knows how to, he know he knows how to write lyrics. I don't always understand them, but I think that in the overall scheme of things of just writing good poetry, um, he's, he's got that covered. Definitely, yeah. 
Um, yeah. You guys have anything? Yeah. So like, you know, trying to interpret his lyrics is a fool's game. I have found, <laughs> uh, so, yeah. sometimes it works, but I, I really like how this has this like big blast of an opening, uh, because now like Royal cream really just fades right into I am fire. And so it mm-hmm. just has like this big opening and then it settles back down into a mood piece almost immediately. And I can't tell if it's actually horns or if it's keyboards that they're kind of floating in the background. I think it's horns. But I, again, I couldn't okay. find anything specific for the for the tracks. But uh, and I also have here uh, you know, hand claps. Uh, I I want to say like every single Greg Dooley record has hand claps on it somewhere. That's one of his go to moves, and I am not exaggerating. I'm pretty sure it's on every single one. Uh, and this is one that kind of buoyed up a little bit because it was so great live. Now there's some really cool kind of uh, drums, like the, like the toms being used in the background, like that boom, 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 boom. Uh, and the live show, he had a tom uh, up next to his microphone and a, and a drum and a drumstick with a, one of those. I can't, I don't know what's, it's got the, like the round uh, head at the top, you know, like the felt drum stick, if you know what I'm talking about. And he would play like that Tom part and it really just brought this song alive. It was amazing. And I found a video of it. I'll share it with you guys later. It doesn't quite hold up because it's being filmed on a, you know, an iPhone or something, but it was just really cool and it just worked in a live setting. And I think that's, this is one of those, you know, I'm sure all of us have that song. Like we thought it was good on the record and then you see it live and you're like, Oh my God, now I understand this song. Uh, and this is one of them because ultimately the song is pretty slight. It's it's not very long, and it really just serves as a bridge to the next song. Uh, so I like this one, but this you know, didn't get a very high score from me. Okay, Wayne, what do you got? Uh, you know what? Uh, it is a it's a complex song, and a, in a lot of ways, and I couldn't make. I guess I couldn't officially, like you said, it's a fool's game. I look at this and I see certain things, certain images come to my mind. And the, the bravado of that first section, you know, I'm the chosen one, I'm the setting sun, hottest car on the block. And then like the third, the third verse has a, like, almost like that's fake. Like there's really underneath, you know, it's got take me there where if I'm coming, what to wear, where, where are you going? What would you like for me to know? There's this insecurity in that, in that third part, which works well together. Cause it, it's, you know, what is, what's going on here? Um, but then it, it, I felt like it got muddy at the end and, and it didn't, it didn't, I couldn't get anywhere from, from the two parts that I kind of identified with. Sure. And I think it's still funny, like that first, you know, so it's like, you know, I'm the chosen one, I'm the setting sun, I'm the hottest car on the block. It's just such, that's even just a weird juxtaposition. Like those first two are, I'm immortal, <laughs> you know, I'm everlasting and I'm a cool car. And just something about how that, you know, it, it works. And I don't know if anybody else could make that work. Wayne, scores? A two. But I, I don't feel like it deserved that. But that's what my Derek. notes say. Derek? This is my four. Okay. And this is my five. All right. Let's wrap this up. These sticks. Based off of seeing your score, Derek, are you a Radiohead fan? 
Not really. And I can see why you would ask right. that. So, I mean, there's a few things I like by them, but uh, no, I'm, I'm generally not. But This is the most Radiohead song on the album to me. And I can't believe I'm saying that for my score because it's an eight. If Radiohead songs had Greg Dooley singing on them, I'd probably be a Radiohead fan. Yeah, same here. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Tom, Tom York's voice. And I know people think he is like the voice of an angel or something, but he just kind of bores me. Uh, so, you know, it, you know, Greg Dooley is not a golden throat by any means, but he just has, he's just got personality. And, you know, like I said, you know, uh, Mark Lanigan, who has, I think, a fantastic voice, but has like no stage presence. And so, um, even when they were touring as the Twilight Singers, uh, you know, Mark Lanigan sang on a couple of Twilight Singer songs and I, I saw them in, in Berlin and he ended up on that tour and he would come out and sing like two songs at the end. And while he's got, let's say, technically the better voice, every show I've ever been, like all eyes are on Greg Dooley. You know, every, everybody's watching that guy because he's just, he's just got that personality. He's just got that something, you know? And I love the pensive guitar uh, that opens this up. And just, again, the, you know, these three songs just really flow together and his vocal work is just fantastic. And then things really kind of pick up in that second verse and man, the drums, the drums again on this are just so good. And then on that third verse, the horns come in and this one just builds and builds and builds. And then it actually kind of, you know, carries itself back down. So it, it, it achieves that climax and then just, it, it come, it has that denouement, you know, we'll say, cause you know, you're a, you're a, an English major, Wait, uh, <laughs> Ben. So I figured I'd throw that one for you. Um, yeah. and so just the way that it kind of just carries itself out and this is a song that I just immediately, immediately loved and never stopped loving. But it's also one of those that I have a hard time really like other, a lot of these other songs I've had a ton to say. There's just something about this one that grabs me in the heart <laughs> and does not let go. I just, you know, you, you tell your listeners every time, save a couple, save a couple of those high numbers for the second part of the record. And I took that to heart. So, you know, this is, yeah. this is my 10, this, this is my favorite song on the record. Yeah. And it's, it's how you end a record. Yeah. Like yeah. you've got, you've got Greg going off on vocals about halfway through the song. I think that this is the most unrestrained Dooley is, is on this, on this particular record. And I think the build up to the ending where there's still a little bit of this mystery to it, which you know, every song on this album to me, there's there's a little bit of mystery and mystique to it. But the the horns at the end and the fade out, yeah. like that's how you end a record. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Like for me, that because like you said, like how unrestrained. What I love is if you know he sings the chorus twice. So the first thing you know, so it's it's you know you know tie these sticks around my heart, be there when it blows yeah. apart. This ain't love, but let's pretend that it's easy, easy baby, easy baby, right? The first time he sings that, he sings that kind of, you know, let's say normal or whatever. And he sings the exact same thing again, but he just blows it out. And it sounds almost like it's completely different. It, 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 you know, it, it's the exact same words, but it just, it feels different. And then that ending, you know, you thought me easy, you thought me pray. I've come to meet you. I've come to make you pay. And it's like, when I heard the end of that, you know, a lot of times, you know, 
with a new record, it's like, okay, maybe, maybe you want to go and listen to, you know, listen to it all over again, right? Start with track one. At the end of that, I'm like, I want another album and I want another album right now. It was so good. And it was like, that left me wanting more. It's like, I need new music and I don't care what you have to do. I need that on my desk Friday, 8 a.m. You know, you know, it was just one of those. Right. So, right. so, so good. Wayne, any last thoughts on this one? Well, these are not the sticks that the little pig built his house with. Uh, <laughs> you find that out uh, pretty quickly. Um, I think the suicide bomber is metaphorical, but I, I definitely, I definitely related to it. But I didn't save any big scores, so uh, that I got tra- I painted myself in a corner. <laughs> All right. Um, and, um, nobody puts Wayne in the corner. (laughs) That was only true. All right. What's your score, Wayne? Uh, four. All right, Derek. This is my 10. Yeah, this is my eight. All right. Um, so this is the part where I go, did we miss anything? Did we cover everything? I think we just got about all of it. Yeah, I think we did. All right. Um, any guesses? Number one song? No. Yeah, we were all no all over the map. Uh, I would say maybe um, Algiers. Algiers was second with an average score of 7.66. Metamorris was our top song, average score of eight. We, then these sticks, because of your 10 um, and my eight, uh, got uh, high scores for these sticks with an average score of 7.33. Fourth song, Lost in the Woods. Um, I tried to tank that for you guys. You tried, but, but you um, tried. <laughs> yeah, it's still in our top five. And there's a there's a tie for fifth. So Wayne's top song, Canrova, um, that is tied for fifth with an average score of 5.33 with Royal Cream. Yeah, nice. So we actually have a top six. Which we've been having a lot of top sixes lately, Wayne. You notice that we've had a lot of ties lately. Yeah, we had a three-way tie on something too. We had a top seven. Didn't you do one where you only left out like one song off the record because there was like three ties in it or something? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it happens. All right, Um, it's been fun. Yeah, thanks for thanks for bringing something new to the table. In fact, um, I. I, I purposely left one slot open on my music writer experience for February list. So what from Greg Dooley that I probably haven't listened to, should I put on that list? Ooh, um, I would say either, depending on your mood, go with uh, Black Love from the Afghan Wigs or okay. Blackberry Bell from the Twilight Singers. One of those two, you can't go wrong. They're both, they're both fantastic records. Okay. And are you a, a Mark Lanigan fan? I am. Honestly, not really. Okay. Yeah. So I say he was uh, the singer, obviously, for the Screaming Trees, and he's done you right. know, stuff with what Isabel Campbell and Soul Savers, and he's got like 18 million projects. So like that Gutter Twins record is good, but sometimes I think they go for mood over song a little too often. Uh, so I'd say if you want to go for a, a great record, one of, one of those two. Yeah, mostly because I don't like him. I get that. Yeah, <laughs> he's a bit yeah. of a twat. Yeah, yeah. We'll just leave it out there. Um, yeah. All right. 
As a reminder, you can find all of our old episodes by going to recordsrevisitpodcast.com. You can find all of our happenings on the social media, Facebook page. Look for Records Revisit Podcast. I'm on Twitter, podcast at Podcast Records. Wayne Mann's the Instagram page, which is? Records Revisited Podcast. And then, of course, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Stitcher, iHeartMedia, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you can find fine podcasts like the one called I effing love this record. So Derek plug away. Tell us where people can find all your happenings. All right. So uh, you can check out all of my stuff, including the uh, album side podcast at lovethisrecord.com. And I am on Twitter at love this record one um, Facebook at love this record. I think I have an Instagram page, but I never use it because I'm old and uh yeah and don't forget about uh, sweetrelief.org if you would like to help out musicians in need there we go all right wrapping this up thanks for listening please go support the arts and um go find a very worthwhile charity like the one that derek just mentioned would tell you to go to a live show but you know the drill on that so support your favorites on any of the live streams that they're doing and then of course buy a t-shirt of the band buy a record you can go visit a record store. Just make sure you mask up and you be safe. Okay. We are records revisited and we are out. out. <laughs>